Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. This week we have a very special guest from Brisbane, Australia. He's recently been a presenter at NodeFest. And quite different to a lot of presenters in the motion industry, they are creating plugins for After Effects. So they're helping to enable. We have James Whiffen from Plugin Everything. Thank you so much, James, for being here. My pleasure. James, you are the first. Well, actually, um, I had one other guest that was making plugins, and that was Metal. That was a long time ago, and they got absorbed oh, really? into After Effects. Yeah. So uh, you're the second plugin developer I've had on this show, but the range of products that you do is a lot more varied to the everyday needs of a motion or an After Effects user. Do you mind sort of explaining to everybody what Plugin Everything as a company is about? Yeah, sure. So we create plugins for After Effects and um, I sort of come from a compositing background, uh, a failed compositing background. So I'm really interested in plugins like that create pretty things like glows and and you know sparkles and things like that but then I sort of transitioned into motion graphics and so we kind of create plugins that are maybe 80% motion graphics tools 20% compositing uh, plugins and just things that you know make life easier in After Effects Um, I'm sure every After Effects user knows there's some very tedious uh, things in their workflow and there's uh, lots of pretty much lots of plugin developers out there that just try and fix those gaps or plug the holes and to try and make things a bit easier and that's basically what we try and do. After Effects for a long time there's some tools that are really lacking what they did do is allow for an architecture for third-party suppliers to fill those gaps in a way it's created a market for tools to supplement what After Effects can do on the needs of the community and those who are interested in creating these plugins to help supplement what they're not going to do day to day. As a company, that's quite a unique proposition that you're not just an individual developer releasing it. You've created a company based around your initial products and now you're growing more and more and more. I kind of think that half Adobe is sort of not really wanting to step on developers' toes by, for example, we have a Glow product out there because the the default Glow in After Effects isn't so great. I wonder whether Adobe is purposefully keeping their Glow plugin inside of After Effects. Well, I wouldn't call it a plugin, but their Glow effect. They're not really upgrading it because they don't really want to, you know, there's so many developers out there who have their own Glow product that they don't want to put them out of business or whether it's just that they don't want to you know, time and money into um, improving their product when they basically don't have, pretty much don't have competition out there. So what's the incentive when you're that far ahead of the competition? There's not really much incentive to improve. Yeah. And so a lot of After Effects users have been screaming for certain features and functionality for a very long time. And it feels like Either Adobe is dragging their heels or, uh, I don't know, everything's more difficult than we think. So I'm sure it's a, a massive task to improve, you know, software that's 27 years old yeah. um, based upon so many layers of legacy code. But usually the develop, like third-party developers can can very easily jump in and, and bridge those gaps, whereas um, Adobe, a, a big company, probably move a bit slower and have to you know, do way more quality testing or whatever before they put out their solution um, and make it like inbuilt with the new version of After Effects. Looking back at older ones as well, um, yeah, it must be a lot easier now that the Creative Cloud's here to have everybody on similar releases, but it doesn't mean everybody's updating. I wonder, in a way, you're touching on it a bit that it actually releases them from the headache of having to support those tools and features as well if it's somebody else who's creating it that's true um yeah maintaining old code is a is a lot more work and a lot less glamorous of a task than just releasing new stuff so i'm sure they've got their hands full with all their bug reports and whatnot yeah um i also 
as far as I can remember, there have always been third-party um, support for After Effects, um, Red Giant being one of the mo- longest surviving supplier of those. And I, I think of, it just actually feels like it's just part of how it's always been. So I don't know if there's a huge incentive to change it now um, when when it it works as well as it could be for a company that's um, swimming in a pool by itself. In one area. Yeah, well, it, it feels like um, that's kind of how Maya um, became so popular because if anyone who's used Autodesk Maya uh, knows it's not a very user-friendly program, but with the amount of um, freedom that they give tool developers and pipeline developers, there's just so much you can do that um, even though you know, doing simple tasks in Maya can be a lot more difficult than in, say, Cinema 4D or things like that. I think because studios can pretty much take that blank slate and create their own pipeline with it because you can access pretty much every part of the of the software through scripting, um, that sort of enables it to um, compete with tools that I think other that are probably better, like for, for day-to-day use, Cinema 4D or Blender can do what Maya does, but better. But because Maya has such the, you know, the ability to pretty much do anything with it, um, I think that's the reason it's still relevant today. Yeah. I um, The second 3D program I learned when I was studying was Maya. And throughout the schools, um, they were it was very much heavily taught as the industry standard. There was a reason why that was for a long time. It was the industry standard, but it's an industry that has big studios, but also big infrastructure and workflows. And so, like you're saying, it's a great tool to be able to um, make it work in any pipeline that you build. But for so many of us, especially in motion design, that team is really a small team of one, two or a few artists who are just focused on the creating. And moving to Cinema 4D, instantly could just see how much faster you could get to a great looking image and then that last 10 percent of polishing you got there faster so mm. so with Maya it's like you had all the freedom in the world but just um I know that I used to have so many files set up just to get you you know to stop having to repeat all those same steps that you found yourself doing every time to set up a scene yeah, I, I remember because I tried to do motion graphics in Maya because that was the the one that I invested all my time in, just being jealous of the things that people could do in Cinema 4D so yeah. quickly. And it could be achieved in Maya, but you had to either build your own tools to do it or get a third-party tool to, you know, whatever that um, crazy cloner or effector thing is in Cinema 4D. It took Maya a very long time to get something like that and... Yeah, I was just jealous that people in Cinema 4D were doing these crazy things so easily. What was really healthy about the 3D industry specifically was um, that there were a number of products available. So 3D Studio Max, also bought by Autodesk, and then back in the day there was Soft Image that was really popular, but then Cinema 4D really got quite popular with motion designers. Mm. But just having different companies with different applications, I think it's really healthy for the industry. Everyone has to be really strong at what they're doing so that they have clients who want to buy their products. With compositing, Nuke and Fusion, really good compositing tools. Mm -hmm. But After Effects have to be the one that everyone's used for the longest for multiple different reasons. Do you think that having, um, you know, everyone's been talking about Cavalry coming out, uh, do you think that that's going to be a realistic competition to sort of kickstart Adobe not being a monopoly? I very much hope so. Um, I, I guess as a developer, that will be annoying because then I'll have to try and have tools for Cavalry and After Effects if it, if it pans out. But I think for the users, that will be heaps better because then Adobe will might be serious about spending a portion of its giant pool of cash into actually yeah, innovating rather than just sitting at the top. Um, I, I've really been wondering why there hasn't been a competitor to After Effects come out. And I'm guessing either 
it's well i'm sure it's a massive feat to, to try and get something like that off the ground but the reward would be immense um and if you could resist adobe trying to buy you out i think surely there's got to be someone out there who's gonna do that and then if, if they even create like uh, a product that's sort of at least almost as good then a lot of people will probably jump ship and um, then they can use that platform to keep improving. But I guess Adobe's got 27 years of development on them, you know, 27 years of adding features and bug fixing. So that is difficult. But if, if, if some, if, if, if it can be done for like, say the 3d applications, like um, I'm not sure how many people built Blender, but I, do you know how many people built Blender? I thought it was a small team. Yeah, I'm not sure on that, no. But if someone can do that for a 3D application, which seems um, orders of magnitude more complex than a than a 2D compositor, I guess you've got motion graphics in there as well, but surely to do such a thing, to create an open source package that can rival Maya, um, creating a competitive After Effects should be simpler than that, I would yeah. think, but I may be incorrect. I wonder um, when Blender started out, the cost of any of the 3D applications was quite significant in comparison to some of the other um, tools like After Effects was, mm. um, which is all predating subscription. So I wonder with, um, and, and maybe that's been really helpful to have some competition on the costs of entry for software, because even Cinema 4D, to get the full studio was a significant upfront investment and then an annual fee on top of it where it's really they've sort of dissolved that upfront cost and now you have an annual fee. And I wonder if it was the pressure of the likes of Blender putting, forcing that market to be a little bit more um, available to everybody. Mm, although I, I think most people seem to be unhappy with the subscription model because in the long run they pay a lot more um, and just seeing the share price of Adobe when they went to subscription model increase so drastically, I mean, it's, it is good for people who only need it, uh, you know, one month here and there, but for everyone else, they're, they're paying a lot more for their software yeah. in the long run. And I know that there are a few diehard people still on CS6 out there who refuse to update <laughs> because, you know, they, they paid their one-time fee for CS6 and they've still got it, I don't know how many years on. Um, and it's got most of the features of, you know, the current version. It, it doesn't have certain bells and whistles, but it, the core program is the same. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of us, we have no choice. And I thought, like, um, love it or hate it, it was a smart move by Adobe for increasing revenue. But but there's also just a limited number of users, really, when you're charging that price. So, um, mm, which true. I think is where their push to um, opening up more applications that might draw people in might come into it. Yeah, and it's, there's so many hobbyists out there as well. Um, I guess not having to pay over a thousand dollars for one program is. Um, you know, well, I guess traditionally they would just pirate it anyway, so it didn't affect them. But some of them probably did the right thing. Yeah. And um, for a hobbyist, you can't really justify that fee. But with Creative Cloud and also, I don't know, I think being a student is a lot cheaper as well. And Autodesk, yeah. they give their software for free for students, which I think is a, a very smart move. Get get the students hooked on their software. And then when they're in the studios, they're going to be wanting what they're used to and then maybe their boss is either going to fork out or they're not yeah i think the model of having indie pricing as well is uh, something that could really help so many you know there's a a size of um license numbers or uh, yeah everybody does it in different ways if there are indie versions available but just it's it's really hard if you're starting out with a small studio and you've got some growth to actually fork out for a few different licenses, even though you can run two at once. Mm. But yeah, I, th I think um, really in subscription models are in their infancy, and over the next few years, there will it will be interesting to see what works and what doesn't, and what people are prepared to pay as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely once. You 
once um, once you've got people in the subscription model, it's hard to get away from it um, because people just get used to that. And there are certain advantages. Like I love having my preferences um, ported over the cloud because for a while there, After Effects autosave was off by default or it was like once every 20 minutes for a maximum of three saves. And um, every time I jumped on a new machine, I'd be working on a new project and then it would crash. And then I would realize that I'd lost everything because the autosave was, you know, some really bad settings. Yeah. Having having those um, makes a big difference. And also having the um, Adobe fonts, I think I can't remember what the actual word for it is, uh, type kit or something, that's really handy. So there are certain uh, advantages that are really nice to have, but you're definitely paying a lot more for it in the long run. And I don't think we're ever going to go back to paying the one-time fee. No. No. I, th- I think... Um there are free offerings available as well, which were were not. Um, so, DaVinci Resolve allows a lot in that package for a free offering for video and that. And then there are alternatives such as like Affinity, um, you know, alternatives for Photoshop and then also Illustrator at a set price point that's like much lower. Um, mm, I, I think Photoshop has um, had a bit more success with a competitor than After Effects. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm not super uh, knowledgeable about that, but I at least know that there is something compat- comparable out there. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I think it's Affinity is the one that's... Oh, um, that's it. Yeah, okay. That's um, probably the biggest competitor. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk about some of the pro- um, products that you create. I... Um, it was really interesting to see your presentation because I was like, oh, hey, I know that plugin. Oh, I bought that plugin as you were speaking. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah, Deep Glow is one that's really been useful. Um, anything that just takes that repetitiveness out of the workflow that you're doing and getting a great result really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think Deep Glow must be one that's quite popular with the industry. Yeah, that one's our, our most popular one. Um and um, essentially that one started as a preset and turned into a full plugin when I learned how that was possible. But yeah, it's just that the, I was just so surprised to know that the um, default glow in After Effects was, you know, still, it's essentially just an additive blur, um, which, you know, doesn't really look like a glow. And then at the time that I was um, developing Deep Glow, Red Giant's um, universe glow was basically just as bad um, they've, I think, I don't know if it's in response to Deep Glow uh, or just they were going to do this anyway. They released a much better version, um, which I think is called Optical Glow. Um, but yeah, it's, I think a lot of people were just getting away with calling their additive blur a glow when it really wasn't. So some other ones that um, I've been using from you is Keymix. And again, it's it's um, just kind of helping me to tidy things up because so, anybody pulling a decent key notes that you have to do multiple masks. And so it can get a bit cumbersome with all the different layers and all the different masks. And so I've enjoyed using Keymix and just helping me tidy the comps up a bit. Oh, that's good. I think you might be the only one because that <laughs> one um, doesn't seem as popular. When I was creating, I thought, oh, everyone's going to love this because um, I was keying in Nuke um, for for like a feature film and it was, you know, this is so much easier in Nuke doing those sort of things. And then jumping back into After Effects, trying to mix keys together was a, a nightmare. But then I thought, oh, why don't I just basically steal the functionality from Nuke and then that was born, but uh, yeah, that one hasn't really taken off. I wonder if it is. Um, it, it made a lot of sense to me straight away. I think um, I had used Nuke for a bit, but I'd used Shake originally, which was Nodal Compositor as well, and it was really mm. real similar functionality from my experience keying there. Where it, uh, yeah, so I'll um, I'll keep that one in my tool bag anyway. But um, I think that uh, you have a new one that's released that looks really cool, and it's uh, Disco Text. So how long has that been out for? Uh, that one came out only about a week or two ago um, during the AE Script sale. 
Um, and the reason that I made that one, um, well, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, basically it's trim paths, which every After Effects user knows and loves, but it um, works on text layers. So traditionally you had to um, convert your text to shape layers, which uh, removed all the cool things you could add, like the text animators and things like that. So it was kind of baking your text into shapes, um, which is not ideal. And so Disco Text allows you to do that and then add trim paths. And also um, with shape layers, you can do some cool cloning and offsetting and, and uh, Disco Text adds, adds that as well. Yeah, um, not having to bake out anything if you don't have to, is really valuable, especially for text where mm. updates and changes happen constantly. So if you have to yeah, backtrack. Yeah, especially if you type the wrong, you know, yeah. and make a typo. <laughs> yeah, which I don't know what it is, but um, I, I find visual people aren't the best with grammar or accuracy in typing. It's about how That's it looks. That's true. <laughs> or the client might change what they want the text to be and, you yeah. know, or clients. Yeah, well, it's always um, interesting when you're working with a larger company and it goes right through. And then at the very end, there's the legal department. And it's, yeah, I think that sometimes... Oh, yeah, you can't power. say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. That'll cost us millions. Got to change the way you're saying that. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So um, are there any upcoming um, plugins that you can talk about that um, might be of interest for the listeners out there? Uh, yes, there's something that I'm quite excited about, although this is a very niche, um, very niche product, is uh, we have one called Odometer, which is coming out. And for anyone who's tried to um, make their own Odometer in After Effects, um, it's actually really, really difficult, especially if you're counting large numbers or um, just animating numbers, um, because, of course, you can... Um, via expressions, you can sort of make text, um, you know, numbers animatable, but they don't, it just, it, it, there's no tweening. It just transitions like hard cut from values like one to two to three. Um, so I wanted a way to sort of elegantly count text, but have it actually transition. And I thought, well, the way that an odometer transitions is quite nice and it's um, quite smooth. Uh, so I thought I would do that. And the reason that I wanted to create this plugin is because when I was working as a freelance motion designer, I often had to, I, there was often, often as motion designers, you're working with text and you're working with numbers and values, especially if you're selling things like there's price points and discounts and things like that, which, um, it's text and it's, you want to make it look a little bit more special than just having text on the screen. So any, any way you can spice it up and animate it. Um, although just the way that text layers work in After Effects is very difficult to sort of animate or, ch you know, change values. And so uh, Odometer is basically an all-in-one tool to smoothly transition between uh, different values. Awesome. When do you think that that might be available? Probably uh, in a month or so. I've, I'm very good at um, starting a lot of projects and then never finishing them. Um, so I probably started that one like three or four months ago. Um, I mean, my, my current working folder is just a mess with like 50 plugins that I've started and never, you know, you get to, it's. I think it's the same with any project. You get to like, 70 or 80 percent of it and the the charm kind of wears off or the um enthusiasm wears off and then there's all the tedious you know tedious polishing and bug fixing to do at the end and then you sort of just lose motivation to finish it um so i think many of my plugins are stuck in in that phase but um hopefully i'll get that one out in about a month or so Sweet. So at the moment, uh, we are mid-December, so in the new year. Um, check out and see, and if um, when the show's out, we'll have a link if it's available. And this show's probably going to be out in about a month or so. 
Oh, okay. So maybe they'll come out at the same time, but probably not. I'll probably end up <laughs> releasing Odometer sometime in 2025. But we'll have a link to um, the Plugin Everything website, for uh, which has all their plugins. So it's a good one to bookmark for the future and check out what's coming out with new releases. Something I really love is seeing um, you've been highlighted on AE scripts at times as well, and your videos are always quite popular. Uh, I suppose because of the comedy that you bring into it, a bit of tongue-in-cheek humor coming through. Yes, um, we love to make April Fools' plugins. Um, we there's only one April Fools a year, uh, and but we for every year that we develop plugins, we come up with like three or four plugins that would make good April Fools' plugins. Yeah. Um, so I think we might have to just start releasing them not on April Fools, but uh, yeah, we've got a lot of sort of um, joke plugins coming in the future. Oh, sweet. Well, uh, we'll post those in the Pro Video Slack as well as they come out. It's always good to have a bit of a laugh. And it's such a small niche industry. I think um, some of the humor, you have to really be on the tools to kind of connect with understanding it. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, extended Coffee Break was one of the ones that jumps to mind of um, – yeah, it's something that you have to be a user to fully appreciate the humor that's in it. Yeah, and, and the thing with um, releasing a, an April Fool's product on AE Scripts is they don't, they don't want just a funny idea for a plugin. It actually has to work. So, um, Do as it says it's going to. Yeah, yeah, because, well, for, for NodeFest, we created the Animate uh, plugin, but that doesn't actually work it was basically siri inside of after effects and um to do that uh, i'm sure would be quite difficult to have an ai uh, smart assistant but for that one we just created the video where the plugin didn't work but if you're releasing an april fool's one on a scripts it has to actually do what it says um and a lot of people were quite surprised when coffee break came out that it actually worked because they just thought it was a funny video but yeah. um it yeah it's you, you spend a lot of time as a plugin developer trying to make your plugins faster so when i had an opportunity to do the exact opposite um that was very easy to increase the render time yeah yeah it's um not hard to bog the program down um, no <laughs> <laughs> easier yeah you do it without thinking yeah I remember back to when I was studying in the computer labs, You, if you weren't working there, you had to release the computer. So this is way back in the days of um, Director as an interactive um, product. Oh, Macromedia Director. Yeah. What, yeah. So uh, we developed one for us to have After Effects and it would like go to that half grey dimlet with the render bar. So it was just that interface which would slowly tick over and, and we set the time so that we knew, okay, we'll be back in 10 hours so we'll like have it rendering that it needs like 14 hours so it doesn't look like it's not doing anything. But you had uh -huh. to know the actual combination to like exit the director script or you just restart the machine. But it was just a sneaky way for us to like hold computers overnight while we went home to sleep. Was it actually like a pretty competitive to get a computer at your uni? Yeah, totally. It's um. Oh, okay. Yeah, this well, definitely. If you're, if you and your mates are hogging all the computers with your director script. <laughs> yeah, well, like that was the undergrad, um, postgrad, and masters and honors programs. There were a lot more computers available. I remember having a whole suite of um, Maya machines available to render on, which was nice. Oh yeah, having your own render farm must be nice, especially with something like Mental Ray that's going to take forever. Yeah, except there wasn't really a render farm back there. It was like literally just breaking up your um, your your sequence into different sections of frames and like giving that computer from zero to twenty, the next one twenty to forty. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, and then hope one didn't crash overnight. But oh uh, yeah, the fun of it. Yeah, that, like, I think that's sort of um, because, you know, computers are getting so much faster these days and especially with GPU rendering, it would sort of um, any, any like work that you got out of your renderer when it was taking like 10 minutes a frame just made it that much more satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, every frame was so crucial. 
yeah. Some of the other products you got, you uh, we'll have a link to the your website, but there's so many in here. You've got Handycam, which is a camera rig for After Effects. Anyone who's used yeah, a camera. So that one basically sucks. just replaced um, Multi's camera rig on AE scripts, um, which was, I think, um, judging by the comments, was a very popular script. Um, kind of, you know, trying to bring a, sort of like a 3D applications camera rig yeah. into After Effects. Because, you know, in, in Maya and Cinema 4, well, I imagine in those, um, the cameras are just way easier to control than in After Effects. Yeah, it always felt like a fake option rather than a real 3D space trying to move mm. around. Yeah. Um, Shadow Studio. It's a, it's a look that's um, quite popular and it's really an, it's a really nice look to just get something graphic but with a little bit more depth in there. So Shadow Studio, uh, what, do you mind explaining what that does? Yeah, so that one um, tries to emulate ray trace shadows, which um, uh, look amazing in you know 3D programs, um, but are usually generally very expensive to to render. And so that one tries to fake that look um, inside of After Effects, and it because it works based on alpha, you can attach it to anything with transparency and create shadows off of it, which uh, is you know. It, it it can it's easy to overdo it, but it it does create a really nice look if, if used uh, uh, with um, how do you say it like don't go crazy with it you know just like um, doing really soft shadows in three D the more the more you crank up yeah, the softness <laughs> I remember when um, Element three D came out everyone was soaking everything in that screen space ambient occlusion um, <laughs> me included because. I could because normally that sort of thing takes a long time to render in a in a 3D application, and so I had all you know it, it, in Element it kind of rendered almost instantly, and I was like, "This is cool! I'm going to crank this up to 400% and put it on everything." <laughs> and uh, now I cringe whenever I think about what I rendered at that time. <laughs> uh, you, you you've got to go through these stages and try them. It's I remember a, a teacher and after a uh, premiere way back he was like okay here's all the effects in the effects panel now go hard for the day and show me what you're going to do with them and th it was really early on in the class and then he was like right so that was your day with um with transitions and effects and things don't use any of them anymore like you can have <laughs> cuts and dissolves that's it <laughs> that's very sensible of him <laughs> but you you've just got to get it out of your system and move on sometimes <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's hard because at that time you think it looks cool. It's someone's if if you it takes a, quite a while for you to sort of restrain yourself. You kind of need other people to tell you tone tone that down. Yeah, totally. Uh, there, there's so many more other scripts um, um, plugins in here, and um, so everybody have a look it's going to be take us two hours to go through all of them but just the other ones uh, OCD renamer and there's cartoon motion blur digit fiddler ripple edit have a look check out the website because quite quickly you'll see what they do it's quite obvious when you click in and have a look and these are things that are going to save you time, give you back your time, which I know is really important to you, James, and it's something that the company's really founded upon. Because mm, your time is, is important and time is money. Totally. Okay, James, so uh, recently you were at uh, NodeFest. You and Matthew and Lachlan were presenting. Digby wasn't there for that session. All three of you were presenting and it was um, really cool to see, again, a presentation by people who are helping to create tools for the community. So how was that? As um, Have you been there as an attendees in the past or is that your first Node? Uh, that was my first Node. Um, I'd heard a lot about Node before because um, lots of the guys in the industry in Brisbane go down every year um, and they spoke very highly of it. Um, and... I'm not a super uh, people person, so two days of networking um, was tough, but <laughs> it is good to um, to meet everyone and to see like you like just the like the opening titles and the work that some of the presenters do is incredible and it it is really inspiring, um, yeah. probably better than just looking on Behance or dribble for 
for work. Like it really inspires you when you, you meet the people that create it. Yeah, there's a real point of difference about being so focused on the work and hearing from those who have been creating it. But hearing the process just brings such more depth and meaning to what you're seeing, opening your eyes mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Yeah, because like, there was a guy there, um, I think it was Marcel, and he showed um, this, the showreel of his company state, I think it was. And I thought, that is the best showreel I've ever seen in my whole life. And then like 10 minutes later in his speech, he's like, uh, that was our old showreel. Let me show you our new showreel. And then he showed an even better one. And and then at the end of his speech, he said, we're currently working on our latest show. And I thought, how can you even improve upon something like that? It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, makes kind of makes you feel like you're bad at what you do. And when you see that in comparison, um, which can motivate you, but also have the opposite effect. <laughs> yeah. Could be debilitating to uh, keep moving forward, but everybody who's in this industry has their own motivations for what they're doing. Sometimes it's the joy of creating. What I found really interesting about your presentation was that you're doing something quite different that resonated with everyone. I could hear a lot of people talking afterwards going, oh, I wish I could do that or I wish I had somebody on hand that could do that and help build tools as needed because you and James Cohen, Yes Captain, who hosts Node, um, showed plugin that you'd been working on together to help him with a specific need that he was frustrated with from moving from Cinema 4D into After Effects and Premiere. Mm. So there's two things there. One was like um, instantly for everybody attending, they go, um, how amazing would it be to have this team of developers that could help create things that you needed to um, problem solve? And also that you are so connected to this community that you've been working with James on that. Do you want to sort of talk about uh, that particular plugin and and how that came about as well? Yeah, so um, we created ShotVids with James and essentially that was just a way for him to, um, I'm not sure what the term is inside of Cinema 40, but in Maya you can sort of do a play blast, which is like a a real-time render of your scene and in wireframe or some very basic shading and then it adds in like technical information like the frame rate frame count uh camera lens and just all the metadata and stuff like that and he wanted to basically uh be able to have that data inside his render file but then customize it in in after effects or premiere where where he does the editing and, and cuts the shots together um and so we sort of worked on that for him and that was incredibly difficult to try and like, it's such a simple plugin. Um, I mean, what it does is so simple. It's just that the, a method to do something like that was not really available inside the software development kit. So that one was a real pain in the ass um, (laughs) to get to, to the final product. Um, But it's, I think that was something that he felt was really lacking in, um, in Cinema 4D, I don't think you can customize it very much uh, inside there. And so he wanted a way to be able to customize it in After Effects so that it wasn't baked in. And then, you know, if you scale in the shot or um, make it, you know, flip flip the shot, sorry, flip it horizontally, um, the, the text isn't like back to front. He wanted a way to do that. Yeah. Uh, makes makes so much sense, especially when um, the the bulk of the work is in that animatic stage that you're sort of refining. And yeah, so we'll have a link to that one in the show notes as well for everybody to click through to. Mm, I think um, some as you were saying before, like people wanting, well, everyone would love to have their own team of developers um, to to speed up their workflow. That seems to be sort of more of a um, well, I wouldn't know because I've never worked in like a massive visual effects, uh, sorry, massive motion design studio, but it seems like having in-house tool designers, that's sort of almost like a visual effects thing. Um, yeah. Like when you're working on Marvel films and things like that and you need a, a quick way to do something, there'll be some guys that can uh, create that for you, but it, it doesn't seem to be much of a motion design thing um, for whatever reason, I guess, you generally don't need a team of 500 people to put together um, even 
you know, motion design work for the biggest clients like Apple or Google, it might be a team of 15 or 20. Yeah. And so there's probably not the team of 10 engineers out the back who can make stuff for you. No, I think uh, the biggest place that probably happens in motion design is um, technical directors for character rigs and um, setting right. those up. That's the place where I've seen it the most, but but you're correct. Yeah, I, I haven't really seen it myself. A lot of people just sort of brute force their way through problems or just actually just put up with having to not have better solutions and just using the tools that are available. Yeah, and it, it just seems like um, those people will create a tool to make the, their job the one job they're currently working on a bit easier and then they'll post on a scripts but then you can't really modify that um to to suit your needs um so you've got to rebuild it from scratch if people wanted to get in touch with you to talk through something that they feel would be a possibly a good tool for you to develop would you be open to that for people to reach out Yes, certainly. Um, Handycam and OCD Renamer were both um, ideas submitted by the community um, and Handycam's definitely been um, very successful. Um, so, yeah, we, we are always on, the, always on the lookout for um, ideas and we give a, a percentage of the profits to even just for an idea because the idea is very important. Awesome. What would be the best way to uh, get in touch with you? Uh, just email us at hello at plugineverything.com and uh, we'll probably get back to you with a big fat no, it's not possible. But <laughs> the, <laughs> um, Because a lot of the tools that people submit, the ideas that they have, they, they're awesome ideas, but um, to make it actually, to actually make it is either out of my or my, the other people here's capabilities or... Um, or it's, um, yeah, it's usually just too difficult or it's not possible. Yeah. Um, so finding something that is both useful and is actually achievable is, is the, the tough part. Yeah, cool. Good time to ask about the team at Plugin Everything. So um, I've already mentioned um, Matthew and Lachlan, um, Digby as well. So yourself, you founded the company and then um, Digby Hogan and Matthew Alexander joined after that. And Lachlan Morton is um, also part of the team. Do you want to sort of uh, talk about the team and the roles and how the company operates? Yeah, so initially it was just myself um, creating. I, I, I was a freelance motion designer who worked with Digby at his studio. And um, I was... Um, kind of getting a bit restless there and I left uh, and did some, just continued doing freelance work with him and but I want, really wanted to just make plugins full-time and not be interrupted by freelance work and so I did that for about a year and then he jumped on board um, I think that was about two years ago because he's very business savvy um, and uh, then he had a guy working for him called Matthew Alexander who was working on a, a show that a, a big project at Empire, and um, he was sort of doing uh, pipeline stuff for that, and so he jumped on board as well. And um, he's sort of very technical, very into um, complex maths and basically any the, the most nerdy stuff. And then um, Lachlan joined. Uh, Lachlan again, we met through Digby. Um, I think Lachlan was part of a mentorship program between Griffith University and local biz- local post-production houses, and that's how Digby met Lachlan, and he's sort of good at um, marketing and SEO and things like that. And, yeah, that's, that's how uh, we all met. Um, Digby has uh, recently departed because he's uh, busy with his own uh, empire. He's, that's his company name. Uh, he's kind of... T- you know, he's one of those people that's always on the go, but um, sort of didn't have enough time for, for everything. So he's departed, but we, um, we're we still keeping on going business as usual. Awesome. I look at some of the clients that, well, some of the users who are using your products and you, you've got um, the likes of Google and YouTube and Warner Brothers and even LinkedIn as a company. 
that must be quite epic to know that your tools are out in the world being used in so many different places and different um, applications. But also, you must get to occasionally see some of the work that's been created with your tools. What's that feeling like, seeing the work come out? Uh, it's pretty exciting because when you're creating promo material for the for the plugins, you're trying to basically create the best possible, the best looking work that you can to try and get more sales. Um, but then you see what the community can create with it, and it's way better than what I can create with it. And so that's like both free marketing material and also really nice to see what can be done. Um, and it all, also it is just exciting to see, like, for example, um, recently to see Apple bought um, Monospacer, which is like a very, it's not a very glamorous plugin, but it's a useful one. Um, and just to know that those companies are interested in, in your tools instead of, um, you know, doing it by hand really um, is encouraging. Um, I think we've had uh, Ardman and, and Google, uh, all, lots of big places buy our, our tools, but I, often it's difficult to see it in the finished product because yeah. you don't know whether they're using Deep Glow or whether they're, um, you know, it's, it, it's really difficult to tell. Uh, it's it must be quite um, fun to see some of those email names come through on the um, invoice orders and things like that. Yeah, and then just people you know as well. I think that's that's almost as rewarding as seeing the big companies. And now it's time for the pro video packs. So this is an opportunity for everybody who's listening to be inspired by what inspires you. So the pro video pick can literally be anything, but what would be your pro video pick for everyone? I know some people sort of thrive on deadlines and um, things like that. And when I was in uni, I would always leave my assignment until like the last day. And when you wake up that morning and you're just in a panic, um, there's no choice but to spend the whole day working on it. But I usually, or at least for me, I find that I don't do my best work that way. And so, um, as I'm sure everyone heard, like with Odometer, I have no idea when the release is and it may be six months down the track. Um, not having the stress of a deadline really helps me um, and also kind of allows you to polish what you're doing because uh, if, if it's not really what you're happy with, then I'd rather not release it um, and I can just keep working on it until I'm happy with it um, because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are uh, bound by client deadlines and things like that. And that's just really annoying, especially if you're, if you're wanting to refine or you, you don't want to, especially as an artist, you don't want to release something you're not happy with um, and you don't want other people to see it if you're not happy with it. Um, and so not having a deadline really allows you to uh, polish it to how you want, although that's probably not very good from a dollar or business perspective because you'll end up spending way too much time on it. Um, I guess there probably needs to be some balance between the two. That would be my life advice. Cool. Yeah, life is always about finding the balances of everything you're doing. Awesome pick. Thanks for that. Uh, following, this is uh, could be anything or anyone, but are you following anything online for inspiration? Um, I'm always on Lester Banks because he's sort of um, a mix of inspirational content and just new tools for, for computer graphics. Yeah. Um, also, just um, being on I, – I really like Dribble because it's more um, – there's, there's a lot of uh, motion design stuff on there, with, but it uh, seems to have a lot of emphasis on the design. Um, and, yeah, just, just – because it's such a big community, you can refresh it every day and there'll be something crazy and new to see. Um, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Inspirational video. What's uh, any videos that you find inspirational for yourself that you'd like to share? Um, the, I can't remember what it, I think it was, it was at NodeFest. Um, and I think it was the, one of the presenters had worked on the semi-permanent titles um, that year. I think I'll have to try and find a link to it, but it, just the the text was 
like just the, how the, the way they anim manually animated the text and anyone in After Effects knows that the animating text, like they had been like, anim like they were manually, seemed like they were manually moving the vertices. So they'd obviously um, converted it to shape layers uh, and just knowing how time consuming that would be and the text looked so elegant and then it was on top of some crazy 3D rendered visual. Um, that was Nydia Diaz, wasn't it? Yes, that was. And then I think her partner had done the audio um, for it, I yes. think, because um, they, they like to collaborate. Yeah, that video, I was just, I was almost thinking, trying to come up with a, a plug-in to do what they were doing with the, um, <laughs> with the text while I was, I was wondering if that would be possible. But seeing how they, they did it, it just, it was so cool. Awesome. Great pick. Um, we'll share a link to that work as well from the semi-permanent title so everyone can check it out. Okay, following you online, where's the best place to follow you? Uh, we are on YouTube uh, under Plugin Everything and Facebook Plugin Everything. I guess all the socials uh, Plugin Everything. Cool. Final question, who do you think should be on the show in the future? Yeah, I reckon, I don't know if they would be able to spill too much too many secrets or insights but that would be a really cool guest or multiple guests to have i'm not sure how difficult that would be but if you could that would be awesome no great challenge i'll uh, see what i can do <laughs> might be uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see what they would be prepared to say or i'm pretty or sure not, not commit to <laughs> at this point yeah but i think um everyone or well, so many people would be keen to yeah. to hear that great choice Thank you so much, James, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome, everybody. So jump into the Pro Video Slack group if you want to catch up and have a chat. Um, and I'll have a link to the Node Slack as well. Uh, there's a lot of motion design, 3D, just general industry chat going on. And um, it's a good place, actually, to check out when the NodeFest presentations go live once they've been edited and put online. So we'll have links to those as well in the Slack when they come out. Till next time, have a great week, everyone. And James, thank you again so much, mate. No, thank you. All right, everybody. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.